I walked in here this morning and I uh, laid my hand suddenly on a uh, George Carlin in the back there before he left and he's, I surprised him and he said, uh, I don't know what kind of a church you're running here. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I came, my wife came to this church, she didn't have a baby and now she's got one in her arms. <laughs> I said, look, let me tell you, there was 20 babies in the nursery last week. There was 11 in the TNT. Okay, now it looks like half the church decided to go to the beach this week or the snow's got them or something, I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, so I'm, I'm just telling you. So we're, uh, we're bursting at the seams and that's a good thing, right? So uh, uh, I was standing there a moment ago and um, I had a word from the Lord and I wasn't sure that I should give it because, you know, I, I, I was... Uh, just a little reluctant because I, I, I've got something I want to share, and it went along with it. But as I was standing there listening to that ocean song, and I'd ask him to sing that this morning because it goes kind of where I'm going, and, and um, it just struck me that uh, Ezekiel saw a river that flowed from the throne of grace, that flowed from the throne room in the, in the temple, and it went down the steps. It started just as a little trickle, and it went down the steps, and if you've been to Jerusalem or the Temple Mount, you know it's up on a hill, you're on Mount Moriah, and it goes down to the Kidron Valley, and then right in front of, the, front of you is the, is the Mount of Olives. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to come and descend onto the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split to the north and to the south. And that river was going to flow down the Kidron Valley and across to the, to the uh, Mount of Olives. And it's going to go downhill from there. And it goes all the way down. And it's going to hit the Jordan River down near Jericho. And then it's going to make a right turn and head toward the Dead Sea. Okay. And it starts out, Ezekiel says, I, I saw it as an ankle deep. I went a thousand furlongs and measured again and however long a furlong is. And... and it was now it was waist deep, and then another thousand. It was hip deep, and then finally we measured it, and it was a river that I had to swim in. And then it says, wherever the river flows, it brings healing and life. Wherever it flows, and turns the Dead Sea, which is totally dead, filled with salt, so the lowest place on the planet, and you can't sink in that that lake. If you try to swim in it, you float. And it's going to make that a living body filled with fish. And there'll be fishermen standing on either side, fish, catching fish. You know, and it's a spiritual river, and it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sufficient for a lot of people to stand ankle deep in. You know what? You can walk in ankle deep water without too much trouble. And you're wet. You can come in here on Sunday morning and the presence of God is here and you say, ooh, that feels good. I like that. And some days it gets so deep, it's, it's hip deep, waist deep. But you know, you can still, you're still in control in hip deep water. You, it's, you're fighting the current, but you're still in control. And what God is calling the church to and has always been calling the church to and since the book of Acts has been calling the church to is to get into the flow of the Spirit and let the Spirit take you where He wants you to go instead of you just having, oh, a, a, a Holy Ghost goosebumps and it feels good and I'm wet, but I'm only wet halfway. Because when you get into the river fully, He gets to call the shots and He tells you where you're called. So sermon number one didn't cost any extra, okay? Just think about it. But that was kind of, that was the word that I, I knew that God was speaking something about, getting into the flow of the Spirit and in, getting into the river. And you know what? And it's a, it's a choice that you have to make. Um, this, we have a business meeting on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, you'll be voting for... Uh, four deacon positions, uh, Greg Small and Butch Button are up for re-election, and we're adding, we're opening it up for two new positions. We have, can have a maximum of seven, and so we've opened it up, and you've, can't, you've nominated um, Chris McLeod and Delton Shue 
for the position of deacons. And uh, Chris has been a trustee, and now he'll, if you elect him, he'll become a deacon. Uh, and so we have a trustee position open, and so Justin Kivett has been nominated to be the new trustee. In addition, you'll be voting on a new pastor. Pastor Dave Snyder will be up for your consideration as the lead pastor. No matter what happens, today is the last day that I will be preaching in here as the lead pastor. I came here 18 and a half years ago, and uh, it's been a journey. And I'm excited about what God has to do for this church going forward, because I know that the best days of this church are still in front of us. And uh, I know you're gonna you're gonna make a decision, and you're gonna we're praying about it, and, and we know we believe we know we've heard from the word heard the word of the Lord and, and, and what God wants. You know what a defining moment is? It's a moment in our life where something so significant occurs that it reshapes us and it changes us. We all have defining moments in our lives. I can just name a few, but the day you were born again is a defining moment. The day you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart is a pretty, pretty big deal, right? The day you fell in love with your future spouse, the day you got married, those are defining moments. It changes everything. The days our children were born shape us. The day we made a decision as to what I'm going to do for work in my life, I, I, you know, I'm uh, my grandson, Ryan, was, uh, thought he wanted to be a, uh, a doctor, a surgeon. Went into the surgery and scrubbed up with an orthopedic surgeon. And, and uh, you know, he said, uh, yeah, I think I can do that. And um, then he got to college and started the biology courses and the chemistry courses and all the other stuff. And he said, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. And uh, so he says, I'm going to go into business. But you see, those are just the finding moments. You, you, sh- you shape us. It shapes us, right? And um, nowadays, people have m- many careers over, over their lifetime. It's not unusual. I mean, it used to be you went to work for some place and worked there for 30 years and retired and then played golf. And that's not the way it is anymore. Um, Circumstances change us. The death of a loved one is a defining moment. Dave Hawkins and the family, Davey and the rest of them, you know, Connie, and we've all had those experiences. And it doesn't necessarily change us, but it's certainly a moment in time where, you know, we experience something different. Um, Maybe you've never experienced this, but I have, and the call of God on your life is a defining moment. The day you say yes to Jesus, we are saying that song, Oceans, it's why, because it's spirit lead me. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you may call me. When you, when you say like, huh, you know, Isaiah had a, a vision of the throne room and angel touched his lips and he says, I'm unclean. And, and then he said, Lord, here I am. Send me. You know, that, that's a defining moment in your, in your life. That certainly has shaped me and, and decided me, you know, um, the day I decided to Connie and I heard the call of God to come to this church was a defining moment. It not only changed our lives, it changed his life and Tara's life. It changed Justin and Sarah's life. You know, it's not, you know, it's to say, Lord, you know, we trust you to, to, to lead us, right? And um, the day I was, was, was married, it introduced me to a family that uh, had some strange beliefs. And as I said the other day at a, at a funeral, at Connie's mother's funeral, I said, now I is one. 
strange believer. And, um, but one of the most significant defining moments of my life was the baptism and the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And um, I won't bore you with the testimony. You've heard it, most of you. But um, it opened my eyes to a new realm, to the kingdom of God, to the supernatural. It's the, I look at it this way. You can put that slide up. I look at it this way. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the key that unlocks the door to the realm of the supernatural of God. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. And when I came here 18 and a half years ago, the mandate that we had was to reshape this body into a true New Testament church and all that that means as far as being open to the moving of the Spirit and and so forth, and we've tried to be true to that. And uh, some people think I've only got one message, and that's, you know, that's that's not true. But, uh, you know, I have talked about the Holy Spirit for a while, but when you've moved away from it so far, sometimes it takes a little bit to get the pendulum to swing back. If you put up for me John 20, 19 through 22, just allow me this morning to just kind of share my heart, and I promise we'll be done in time for Chile, and, you know, by 2 o'clock or so I should be done. So I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, On the day, the third day after Jesus had been put into the ground, into the tomb, the evening of the third day, the first day, that's Sunday, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came into their midst and he stood among them and he said, Shalom! (laughs) Scared the living crap out of them. And then he said, I mean, he's in a locked, they're in a locked room, right? And um, this apparition appears and he shows them his hands and his feet and his side and and the disciples rejoiced when they saw it you know what it was supposed to go to 22 so give me 21 and 22 as well and so as he's standing there and and they're all looking at him and everybody's gathered in this upper room He says to them something. He says, verse 21, there you go. Shalom, again. As the Father has sent me, I send you also. See, the whole three and a half years of ministry was to prepare them for this moment. And then, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the word for breath is the word ruach. Ruach, and and, um, it means breath, wind, and it's generally related to the Holy Spirit. When Ezekiel saw that vision of dry bones in the valley, and and God says, prophesy to them, breath, come into them and make them live. Can these bones live? And he breathed upon them. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life. And so he, Jesus stands there in that room and tells them, he says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. He ruached them. He, whew, out of him flowed the Spirit into them. Are you with me? At that very moment in time, they became born again. They were now believers that Jesus was the Messiah. He was alive inside a locked room. There was nobody could get in, and they believed that he had risen from the dead. And at that moment, see, every one of you has a human spirit. That's what's eternal. This flesh gets to decay and die and stays in the ground 
But when we put Carol's body in the ground last Sunday morning, she didn't stay there because she wasn't there to begin with. She was already with the Lord. What was with the Lord? Her spirit. And so, but that spirit had been regenerated when she accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit came into her being and he took up residence inside there and made her spirit man new, born again, not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Every person who has asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior has the Holy Spirit. Now, 40 days later, after he'd taught them and walked with them and told them stuff, and he gives his fine, Jesus gives his final instructions to his disciples, and he leaves this world. Now, let me ask you a question. If you know you were about to die and you wanted to get some information to somebody and you're going to give them the very last words of your life, do you think that might have some meaning Put up for me Acts 1, 3 through 8 for me. So it says, after he had suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them. So for 40 days, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And he tells them, do not leave this place. They're in Jerusalem. Don't leave here, but wait for the promise of the Father. This is what I told you about. He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized. Now, the word baptized means what? We, we dunk people in a tank up here. Why do we do that? Because baptism means to plunge under, to immerse fully, okay? So we're with the Baptists on that, to plunge under. So you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. You're not going to be ankle deep. You're not going to be waist deep. You're not going to be chest deep. You're going to be plunged under with the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, Lord, are you going to restore your kingdom right now to, to Israel? He said, no, it's not for you to know the times that have been set by the Father, but you shall receive power, dunamis, supernatural power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. You're gonna, what's gonna happen is you're gonna receive an empowerment, an enablement. And you're gonna, it's gonna enable you to be my witnesses, to tell people about, about me and my kingdom. It's gonna teach you and, and help you. And he's, coming, he's called a comforter and he's called a helper and he's called the teacher and he's called the guide, all those things. He told his disciples in John 14, and he tells us, he says, you're gonna do even greater works than I did because I'm, not, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he's gonna help you do these things. And Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, key verses for us as a church. When the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after the Passover, after Easter, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound like that of a violent rushing wind that came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And Tongues of fire, flames of fire divided and sat upon each one of those who were in the room. And we know there were 120 there. Whether they were in an upper room or whether they were on the Temple Mount doesn't really matter. But as they were sitting there and the tongues of fire appeared, it said also then they began, to, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different tongues and foreign and tongues they didn't know as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they, the evidence that they were baptized was they spoke in a language they did not know. Now, I'm not just talking about that today, but I wanted to lay this, this as the groundwork, okay? And so what they did, <laughs> go, I'm sorry, go over to verse 16 for me, okay? And then Peter stands up, because they're all, are these men drunk? No, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, they're not drunk. 
This is that that was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And upon my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And I will display wonders in the skies and the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be made whole. Sozo saved, delivered, healed, all that stuff. So they left there. And they began to do what God called them to do. And they healed the sick. They cast out demons. They raised the dead. They did what Jesus told them as the result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptism is a, is a spirit empowerment for us to do his works. It's especially the enablement of the supernatural dunamis of God. And it opens up the door to all the rest of the gifts, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. I'm not talking about the gift of helps. I'm talking about the gift of word of wisdom, the gift of word of knowledge, the gifts of healing. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. I'm talking about the spirit, the gift of discerning of spirits. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy. I'm talking about the move of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church and in the way God always intended it for it to be. It gives us, that baptism gives us full access to all the supernatural things of the kingdom of God. I want to explain something. It goes with this, this river. And all my students, and some of you have seen this before, I still think it's the greatest illustration that I can show you. When you got saved, this is your body. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence. That waters the Holy Spirit. Water is another. Wind is an analogy of the spirit. Fire is and water is. So right now, I, you contain, if you're born again, you contain the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said to be filled with the Spirit. He said, he said, I want you to wait, and I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. John baptized in water, but you're going to be baptized in the Spirit. So think of this jug as, you know, the Holy Spirit, I, I had had put it in something. But when I drop this right now, the glass has the water. But when I drop the glass in the water, and it's all going to go all over the floor. Okay. I can't baptize it enough. So you get the idea. If I drop this down in here, maybe I can get it a little bit. No. Okay. Whoever's cleaning this week. There you go. Sorry. Okay. Now the water has the glass. That's the river that Ezekiel was seeing. When you get into the river, the river has you. You can't walk in the river. The river walks you. The river leads you. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has not only filled you, but overflowed you. Jesus talked about it in John 7. We'll get to it maybe. He said, you thirst, you'll thirst again. But if you come after me, you won't ever thirst. In fact, I'll fill you, fill you out of your belly. will flow rivers of living water. That, that river that Ezekiel saw is a river of life. Wherever it flows, it brings life. Out of you is supposed to flow the Holy Spirit. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, how in the world are you going to flow it, let it flow out of you? To bring life and healing and deliverance and salvation and, and joy and peace and, and, and hope and all the things that God has called us to do. Put up Ephesians 5.18 is my verse for this morning. Paul writes this verse to the Ephesian church and he says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to excess, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you've heard a sermon about it before, but that word be is the present imperative tense. Brenda Delaney may know what that means. The rest of us haven't got a clue, right? So, 
Well, what it means is it's a present tense word. And the connotation here is continuous replenishment and ongoing filling. You could say it like this, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a one-time thing that you got. You know, one of my complaints with Assemblies of God over the years was we promoted speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of baptism of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people, once they spoke in tongues, that was it. You know, that's not a one-all, be-all. You know, it's over. Be being filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled is another way you could say it. And that was the secret of the disciples. It enabled them to have and to live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life because it wasn't them holding on to the spirit and keeping him within them. Just You can have this, just this much of me, Jesus, not as far as it's going. No, they were in their river and the Holy Spirit had them and they were flowing wherever he took them and wherever he took them brought life. Thank you. Where's Reuben when I need him? So. Came up to me this morning. He said, did you like that hockey game? I said, that was really good. I said, are you going to be a hockey player? He says, no, I'm going to be a Jedi. I said, okay, you got your lightsaber? Yep, okay. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. Go to that slideshow for me, would you? And um, I have mentioned this in here many times over the years. But I'm talking about defining moments. And I wasn't going to do this because some of you have heard these stories. And some of you have seen some. You haven't seen all these pictures. But I want to tell you a story about the spirit-led life. I want to provoke you to jealousy. I provoke myself. So, just stop at that one for the moment. Now, understand, I have been in mission trips. I've been around the world. This is 20, 2007. When I got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was hanging around a bunch of crazy people, crazy charismatics and full gospel businessmen. I've told you the story. I I'd only been saved for maybe a year and a half, and they didn't have anybody to lead the prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so they said, you do it. I said, me do it. And they said, sure, you can do it. So I went into a room with a bunch of about 400 people, stood on top of a table and prayed for people to receive the baptism, and every person received it that night. I saw healings. I saw unusual stuff. And I'd read this, and I believed it. I still believe it. But... When you experience it, a man with an experience is way much better than anybody with a theory. With an argument and why it, you know, you can argue, John MacArthur can argue all day long why this isn't true, but I've experienced it. I've been there. I know it's true. So Joe Hitchcock, a friend of ours in, you know, this church and he was an evangelist, and he was going down to Venezuela, and he'd asked me to go with him and help him, and I, I think what he really wanted was our money, but that's okay. And um, so I had said yes, and uh, I flew down to Houston by myself, and then I got on a plane and flew uh, overnight to Caracas, Venezuela. And uh, when I got off the plane, I had to change terminals, and I had made a reservation on a Venezuelan airline, Online, I wasn't sure that it had worked, but anyway, I had to go between the two terminals. It was about one o'clock in the morning when I got there. It was dark, and uh, my Spanish is not any better now than it was then. You know, and, and I want to say, you all make fun of my Spanish, and you should, but you know, I got from the international terminal to the domestic terminal, waited all day in there, didn't have any problem getting food, and they didn't speak English, okay? And, and I get on the airplane where I'm supposed to go, and we fly a couple hours down south, Venice, southern Venezuela, to, I don't remember the city, and I'm met there by a guy with a sign that says, Pastor King. 
I said, yes, that's me, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. That's what they call me in Venezuela, Pastor King, okay. Reyes, you know, I'm the king. And um, so he doesn't speak any English whatsoever. And so he's got this little tiny Kia Rio. It's about big enough. It's like a smart car, okay. And so we get in there in my suitcase, and we drive for two hours to Tucapita, Venezuela, down on the river. And um, when I get there, we finally, there's no street signs in Venezuela, especially down there. So you go to the blue house and you turn right and you go to the green house and turn left. And, you know, eventually we found the church we were supposed to be at. And I go in and meet the Assembly of God pastor that we're going to work with. And he doesn't speak English. He's from Brazil. And he speaks Spanish and Portuguese. So we're in good shape. Finally, a guy comes. He says, I'm going to be your interpreter. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> and, and so uh, Stephen was, was with me and, and um, took me over to the hotel, got me checked in. And they said, well... You're supposed to meet Joel. He's, ha he's having a crusade down on the river. It's about four hours from here by boat. And you're supposed to go down there. So tomorrow, get, you know, throw some, leave your suitcase here, but put an overnight bag and take some clothes for a couple days, three days or so, and, and uh, meet us down at the outside, and we're going to take you to, down there. I said, okay, great. I had no idea what that meant. All I knew is I've been praying. The Holy Spirit said, go. See, when you jump into the river, you have to go with the flow. And believe me, I was in the river, but I didn't want to be in that river. <laughs> that river, when we were baptizing, remember that, the little fishery, there's piranhas in that river. There's anacondas in that river. There's crocodiles in that river. And a thousand other things that can kill you dead. <laughs> but they took me down to, the, to a launching, uh, like a beach, and, and I said, dear Jesus... And we got in the boat. It was about a 17-foot open boat with a motor on the back, a 55-gallon drum of gasoline. And it uh, took me four hours. And this is, what, you know, this is what it looked like. And go to the next slide. Yeah. And that's how they live on, 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 in huts on stilts down into the water. Now, Joely's mother, Sarah Sepulveda, Joely, when we took, I took the Master's Commission two years later down there, and she said, people like, don't live like that in Venezuela. Is that right? She didn't hear, know what I'm saying, so okay. But um, Joely said that she said they were from Caracas. And Caracas is like New York City. But that's how the people live in southern Venezuela, on the river. Okay? It's like, it's like hunter-gatherers from the you know, Stone Age. And that's how they get around. They, they make a canoe out of a palm tree, a dugout canoe, and that canoe stays with them their whole life, and uh, they're buried in the trees in that canoe. Anyway, so I'm, I'm there, and I'm seeing all this, and uh, this is, you know, this is following. We're coming in Tucapita. There's a chubby guy with a thing, you know, anyway. And this is the Coriapo, the, the town that we get to, it's a town about 700 people on the edge of the, you know, it's on a point, a peninsula. Keep going to the next one. And um, that is a, uh, see, you have, you have, you saw it, a, a two-seater. That's a five-seater, okay? And, and anyway, stop right there. And so when I got there, they, uh, they said, well, Joel isn't here yet. He'll be, he'll be two more days getting here. Oh, good. And they said, you're supposed to preach at this church tonight. I said, okay, led by the Spirit, are you with me? See, this is an illustrated sermon. I didn't know what I was going to preach. I didn't know I was going to preach. But this pastor, Juan, and his wife, he actually spoke English, and my interpreter was sitting there, and go to the next slide. And there was about 20 people waiting there, and we had church, friends. The Holy Ghost showed up. And at the end of the service, I'm in this village of about 700 people. They're going to have a crusade there with Joel in a couple of days. There's a basketball court out there. There is one doctor for about 400 square miles in this little clinic. And all these people down there are Warao, uh, indigenous people. They don't speak English. They don't speak Spanish. They speak Warao. And so that's just going to be interesting. But this little lady comes up to me. She's... 
I think she's the one holding the baby in the back there, one of them. Anyway, she comes up to me and said, Joel's not going to be here, well, through an interpreter. Joel's not going to be here for two days. Would you come with me down the river a little bit farther to a village that I've been trying to evangelize? I said, Holy Spirit. And he said, go. So I said, sure, let's go. So the next morning, go to the next slide. Oh, that was dinner. <laughs> so, okay, go back one. So Stephen and I, this is the boat we're in. See that drum behind? That's the gasoline. There's a Yamaha outboard. And uh, so Stephen and I, and go to the next slide. And the guy driving the boat, once you remember him, I'm going to show you his face again later. See that guy? And, and three ladies. Now, understand something. We are on the, um, uh, what's the word? Equator. Thank you. I knew it was in there somewhere. We're on the equator. It looks like it's 140 degrees below zero out there with those people. I've got 100 SPF. I didn't know they made 100 SPF <laughs> on my face. And these ladies, because they live down there, they cover up totally so their skin won't, you know, be destroyed. And so there were, the, the, go back one. The one on, in the, uh, I can't tell. The one in the middle is, is she's a Baptocostal. Can I tell you that everybody I met in Venezuela and South America speaks in tongues? I don't care whether they're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. They all are filled with the Holy Spirit because they've understood something. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't live. You can't defeat the enemy. You can't have the protection. You can't have the power of God that you need. Okay, so anyway, go, so go forward. So we're going through the jungle now. I'm, kidding, I'm not kidding you. That's the river. And it's called the Orinoco, and it's as big as the Amazon. There are places that's much wider, but they had a cut in there. It's a shortcut. You can only go through there when the, when the uh, uh, tide is up. So we're going through there, and they said, don't put your hands in the water because things could eat you. <laughs> no problem. I said, what's the life reserver for? What's the chance that I'm, you know... <laughs> Oh, you need to wear that. I said, okay. <laughs> Holy Spirit, are you sure? Yes, go. Okay. Next slide. And that's how they live down there. Okay, go on. So we get four hours later. So I'm eight hours or nine hours by boat from the nearest, from the major town that I got to. I'm four hours or five hours away from Coriapu. I'm down here almost to the mouth of the Orinoco where it goes out into the Caribbean Ocean, the Atlantic. And we get to this house. That house is made, they don't have a sawmill down there. They make everything with a chainsaw and make it with palm trees. So it gotta be pretty good, right? So we come up to this house and the lady says, oh, this is the place. I said, okay, go to the next slide. And there we are standing at the end of this rickety dock. And as I'm coming off the boat, and you've heard the stories from some of you, a man comes up to me. He's an Indian man, but he's not Indian like we're out. He's from India. Okay, We're almost in Guyana, which is the next country down, and they're all from India, and they all speak English. And he comes up to me, and he says, you're the man in my dream. I said, what? And he said, I had a dream. You know, some of you have heard the story, and I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm going to anyway. Can't stop me. Because <laughs> it goes to my point. He said, well, I had a dream about a big white man in a white shirt. <laughs> who would come and tell us about Jesus. I said, Holy Spirit. He said, you're the man. Now, this lady had been working down there. This, this is a village of about 200 people. And there had been no church there for 40 years. They'd had a Catholic mission once upon a time, but there was nothing there. And she said, I've been coming down here. And she says, I got this man, Mr. Williams and his family are the only ones down here who are saved. Hmm. I said, Okay. She said, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to go to every home in the village and pray for them and invite them back to a meeting tonight. So I did that. Walked along 
the banks of the river there and went to all these houses and and uh, prayed for everybody, asked if there's any needs and, and so forth, and invited people back that night. And go to the next one now. So that night, 75 people showed up. Most Those are the children and, and, and ladies, and the men are standing in the back. You can't see them, and I had to make that much brighter just so you could see it. There's another slide. And there was a man there. He was sick, and there was others that were sick, and and I stood, originally we had everybody out on this man's deck. It was a big deck that he made, but it's so soft there along the riverbank that the weight of it was starting to make the deck sink. So we said, okay, we'll be on the deck and you can sit on the ground. <laughs> so we got chairs. And so I preached to them from the deck in English and also translated in Spanish. A couple of them spoke Spanish. And that night, all 75 people raised their hand to accept Jesus. And go to the next slide. And I was able to pray with a lot of people. And uh, people were healed. That man who was sick was healed. And God confirmed his word with signs following, led by the Spirit. And that's Mr. Williams. And the one in the middle is the Baptocostal and her friend. And, uh, you know, and, and see that that's inside their house. Mosquitoes are one of the other wonderful things of nature, and they kind of just flow through those. Um, but as we left there, we prayed with him. I said, what are we going to do with all these people? She said, well, I'm going to come down here with Pastor Juan from time to time, but we'll make Mr. Williams the pastor. Now, he's been saved for about two months, and he became the pastor. And they said, we want to build a church, but we don't, we're going to, we got, he's, going, he's, he's got a place, the land next to his house, he's going to set aside and build a church there, and, and, but we need money for the roof, and the roof is like $600, and I, I didn't have $600, but I committed to it, and I see they're not here today, but Mike Griffin gave me the money for it when we left. Go to the next slide. And that's the church that they built. And upstairs is missionary apartments where, the, where uh, Juan and, and, and uh, I can't remember her name, uh, stay and the bottom is for the meeting for the church so by the leading of the holy spirit he established a church now go to the next slide so we left there went back to coriapo and i discovered when i got there that joel had already been there for a day she didn't quite tell me the truth and we're praying for this girl and she's totally deaf and go to the next slide Go again. She hears. She's totally healed. Can now speak. And see that man right there? Go to the next slide. That's the same guy. He's the driver of her boat. And that was his 12-year-old daughter. And she had never spoken. And the Lord confirmed his word with signs following. And that night, go to the next slide. There's about 700 people gathered there on this basketball court. And go again. Those are the children sitting. Every person that night raised their hands for salvation. Show it again. And again. Every person got saved. And again. And I was able to pray. And Joel was able to pray. He went one side. I went another. Every, is God is my witness. I've never been in a meeting like this before since I've said it before, but every person we prayed for that night was healed. Doesn't matter whether they were blind, whether they were deaf, doesn't matter where they had. I, I felt like I was the chiropractor, everything. I was playing for joints, you know. But every person we prayed for was healed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was there. Because we're led by the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You can... You can Take that off. I don't think there's anything left there anyway. So, You see, and, and what that became to me was a defining moment. Because not only had I believed and I had seen, but now I've seen so much, I'm, I'm destroyed for the normal. I don't want to be in ankle-deep water. Well... Maybe the Orinoco. At least I can see the crocodiles he's coming, you know. 
No, I want, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit. It's the most exciting life you could possibly ask for. Because hurting people need the Lord. All I said was, Lord, I'm willing. I know I'm nothing. Believe me, I know I'm nothing. And, and the only reason I was a pastor for the last 35 years is because I said, yes, Lord, I'm willing. Here I am, send me. I don't know where I'm going, but you got a plan. In the book of Acts, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, if you put that up for me, Paul and John, Peter and John rather, had been threatened by the Sanhedrin and told to go not, not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And so they went back to their own church and they were gathered together and they had a prayer meeting and they, and they prayed this way. They raised their voices. They, when they heard that the, the Pharisees had told them, you cannot preach anymore in the name of Jesus, they raised their voices to God and they said, Lord God, you are the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Go to the next verse. And Lord, will you stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may go back one may be done by your whole, by your in the name of your holy child Jesus. Go back, go back, go back. Twenty eight. Okay, I wasn't done with it. Okay, there you go. Okay, no, one more. Okay, stop there. Okay, I want you to stretch out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child Jesus. Here I am. I'm quoting King James, and that's HCSB, so I apologize. But. But that's, that's what they wanted. They, they weren't afraid. You know what they wanted? They wanted more boldness. They wanted to be more filled. And the next verse, verse 31 says, and when they had prayed, the whole place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, they were all filled Weren't they already filled? Both of them, weren't most of these people filled on the day of Pentecost? I'm sure there were some new ones there. But yes, but it's an illustration of Ephesians 5.18. Be being filled. You can get filled again tomorrow. You know what? We give out. As, you roll, as the river rolls out, it needs to be fed. It needs to be you know, re, re-ingenerated, regenerated, and reinvigorated. And so we need to be continuously filled. Holy Spirit, where do you want to go today? What do you want to do today? There are hurting people all around that need the word of life. In first, we don't have to go there, but first Timothy tells us to stir up the gift. You know, when you're walking along and suddenly you realize it's you that are walking in ankle deep water, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stir it up. You're supposed to stir it up. I don't want to weigh in ankle deep water. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want the Spirit flowing through me, over me, out of me, everywhere we go. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit's desire is that we become more sensitive to his leading than we've ever been before. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have his way in my life. Now, I'm just like you. I don't do it all the time. God forgive me when I've not done it. But to be filled with the Spirit so you can say I was spoken tongues one day is not what God is looking for. And you can argue, you know, whether or not the baptism of the Holy Spirit's only evidence is speaking in other tongues. All I know is I want to flow. Holy Spirit, fill me, flow over me, and take me where you want me to go. Why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? The Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity. Do you understand that? It's God. What does he do? He teaches me all truth. He convicts me of sin. He prays for me. He's our inter- you know, Jesus is our intercessor, but he, he leads me. He guides me. What the early church had is what I want. If I'm hungry and thirsty, God will feed me and give me to drink. 
I want to do the greater works that Jesus said we, we could do. It's not just about the supernatural, but I'm telling you, a life of the supernatural is an exciting life. It's a life that God has intended for earth to look like heaven. How will that happen without people who are being filled with the Holy Spirit? And not only that, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what? On the day that Jesus was baptized in water, as he came up out of the water, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. They saw a, a, like a, the Spirit descending like a dove upon him and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And so we have a great illustration of, of the Trinity. But then at that very next moment, Jesus is led by the Spirit. Hear me? Led by the Spirit. You go through the book of Acts and it said, Luke says, led by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost said, the, led by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said. It's the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he is tempted by the enemy for 40 days. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a tough time overcoming the temptation of the flesh and the enemy who wants to kill you. But with the Holy Spirit, you have strength and power to overcome every work of the enemy. You were never expected to live the normal Christian life without the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. The entire New Testament was written to people who were expected to have been filled with the Holy Spirit. If you put up Acts 19.2 for me, when Peter, I'm Peter, when Paul comes into Ephesus, he, he encounters some Christians. And he said, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, what did you get? You know, we were, you know, we were, John's baptism. Go to the next slide. Next slide. Evidently, I didn't give him a note. Okay, stop. It's okay. I'll tell you what it said. No, he didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, then what do you got? He said, well, we were taught repentance and about John's baptism. He says, oh, no. So he laid his hands on him and, and they received the Holy Spirit. It says they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. That's the end of Paul's life. And the first thing he does when he encounters new believers is, hey, have you got Holy Ghost yet? And they said, no, we didn't know. So he prays for them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And they received it the same way they did in the book of Acts. And so, you know, but when the Holy Spirit has taken over your life, you have power to overcome the, the, the enemy. You have power to live a life of love. Do you know how hard it is to love some people? You know them. Some of them are in your family. But you can have joy and peace and gentleness. You can have the fruit of the Spirit as well as the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because the, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of your flesh. You don't have to give in to jealousy and greed and all, all the other things, all, all the anger and the rage that, that so encompasses this whole world. I believe that our world is going absolutely nuts right now. We got a communist who wants to be president of the United States. We got a virus in China threatening to take over the whole world. We got apocalyptic. We, the, the locusts that were in Ethiopia and Kenya have now flown across and they're in Pakistan and northern India and now they're in China. And they're starting to hatch. And in the spring, in the warm season, this is the winter, in the summer, they're saying they don't, you could have hundreds of billions of locusts devouring everything in its path. And what will that do? Famine. I encourage you to read a book of Revelation around chapter 5, 6, and 7. But you know what? The 91st Psalm says, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. Only with mine eyes shall behold and see the reward of the wicked. But, but if you're filled with the Spirit, you can walk. There were two men that came to full gospel businessmen back in the 60s, and they said they both had dreams and a vision. And they said the vision was that they would see believers. There was fires all over the cities. But there were believers walking through the fires and dead bodies and they were going into hospitals and they were raising people up out of the hospitals because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was living in them. We're coming to that day with the Spirit of God filling you, flowing through you. You bring life wherever you go. 
He makes you alive like you've never been before. How do I get this filling? All you got to do is ask. If you've been filled before, you need a fresh infilling. And you know what? We need it every day. Holy Spirit, fill me today. Fill me tomorrow. Use me to your glory. But it will only come if you're hungry. You know, and somebody said, well, what happens? I've been prayed for before and nothing happened. Well, pray for it again. Pat Robertson went out for a couple of years Every night with he and Harold Bradus and a couple other guys, and they were going to meetings to be, and they'd heard, he was a Baptist preacher in Harlem, Hell's Kitchen, New York City. And he said they were going out and, and, and they had not received, it had been like over two years and they hadn't yet received, but they heard about this thing and they wanted it. And one night, Pat was supposed to go out with Harold and, and, and his wife said his daughter was sick and he said, Pat, you're staying home tonight. Didi said. And um, Pat was kind of upset. Harold came to the door and said, can Pat come out and play? And uh, she said, no, he's staying home. He went into his daughter's bedroom and knelt beside his daughter that was sick and started to pray for her. And as he prayed for her, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues. Connie's dad came for 10 years to the altar every time there was an invitation to receive the Holy Spirit. You know what? He persevered until one day he finally received it. It's a defining moment. It'll change your life. It'll change the direction of your life. The only, day you, the only way you can stay continuously filled, though, is what Jesus talked about. Whoever believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. If you want it. If you're thirsty. You don't just want a glass full. I want the whole picture. We come to him and we say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me. Use me. It was such a momentous day in my life and it forever changed me so much that for the last 35 years, if you ask anybody, what's Pastor Kim about? He say, they'll say he's about the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I thank God. You know, we need to preach on love, and I do. We need to preach on, about marriage, we, I do. We need to preach about sin, I have. We need to preach about so many things. But unless you understand that the undergirding for all of that has to be the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't care whether you call yourself Pentecostal, charismatic, or just spirit-filled. D- labels don't mean anything. I don't care how we do it. I told David the other day, I said, there's going to be some changes in this church. Everybody in here say this after me. I like change. Y'all are liars. I said that 18 and a half years ago. And boy, was I proven right. That's going to be changed. But you know what you do with sacred cows? You kill them. You eat them. But underneath it all, the Spirit of God is still flowing. Still reaching out to hurting people. Still reaching out with compassion and love and care. Still reaching out with faith and expecting God to move. Expecting God to heal and deliver and save and, and, and fill. The miracles are just there to confirm the word. So you can be a witness for me. But without the miracles, you're missing half the gospel. If God's not supernatural, then he's not God. You take the miracle out of the Bible, you don't have a Bible. Because on the first day, God said, and suddenly nothing from nothing came something. That's a miracle. But can I tell you, with the Holy Spirit, every day is a miracle. Every day can be. I encourage you today, if you're not already filled with the Holy Spirit, come to this altar in a moment and we're going to pray for you. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is say, Lord, fill me. Use me. 
I want to swim in the river that Ezekiel talked about. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would everybody just stand to your feet right now? Just bow your heads with me before we go any farther, further. If you're watching by video or you're here in this room this morning and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, I've never closed a meeting that I, and I never try to close a meeting without asking some if you are right with God. I even did it at the funeral the other last Sunday. It's the most important thing. Is Jesus Christ on the throne of your heart? Is he first place in your life? If he's not, lift your hand to the Lord and say, I want Jesus. Not lift your hand to me, lift your hand to God and say, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Anyone need to do that this morning? You're watching by video and you need to do that just say Jesus forgive me come into my heart I believe you are the Son of God just like those disciples did in that room I believe you are the resurrected Christ and he will breathe upon you and his spirit will come into you and you'll be born again for everyone else this morning so I'm gonna make two altar calls if you've not received the Baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking other tongues. I want you to come and line up right here um, on my right. Just come here. If you would like to be prayed for, to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, I want you to come down here and stand on my right. Does anybody need to do that? I, I can't make it any more encouraging that. All right, then for the rest of you, what I'd like for you to do is just come to the front. And I want to pray for you to be refilled. And I don't want you just to do this to be a one-time thing. I'm asking for a defining moment in your life where you surrender fully to the Holy Spirit and you say, Lord, call, I, use me. Even if you're calling me to do something else or, or wherever, whatever you want to do with me, Lord, I'm available. And that doesn't mean you have to go be a pastor. What it means is to be used by the Holy Spirit in your life, to minister to other people at your work where you shop, whatever it may be. Holy Spirit, fill me, use me to your glory. Holy Spirit, come in this place, even now, Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. Just begin to pray. If you're, you're here because you said you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, well then pray in the Spirit. The greatest tool that God has given you is the ability to have a prayer language to pray. You, when you got baptized in the Spirit, that was a prayer language. That wasn't the gift of tongues. That was tongues so that you can have an intercession with God. The Holy Spirit himself prays in you and through you. And he prays according to the will of God. And God hears you and God will answer. So pray in the Spirit right now. Say, Holy Holy Spirit, and then begin to pray. Holy Spirit, use these people, bless these people. Take your neighbor's hand and pray for them as you, as you pray right now. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to lay hands on you. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you today, right now. Holy Spirit, breathe upon us, oh God. Breathe upon us, oh God. Breathe upon us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Fill your church with your power, with your love, with your grace, with your anointing. You have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, and God wants to use you in your family, at your work, in your school, wherever you go. You are called by God. You are called by God to be filled. Let the, be His hands extended in love and grace and power to lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. Holy Spirit, come now, Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Now, Lord, fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us again.
want you to do it one more time. I just want you to pray in the spirit just for a second more. Just do it. Kenneth is trying to receive in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that he shall receive. In the name of Jesus. Holy Santa because I don't want to change this all for time yet. Just just wait on the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, I need a defining moment. I, I need to be reinvigorated with you, with the life that only comes from God. It's not enough to walk in the water when he wants you to be swimming. Teach us to swim, Lord. Let us float in the current. Take us where you want us to go, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Send us. We're willing. Wherever you want to take us, Lord. Wherever you want to take us, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that every need in this room is met. Healing is flowing in that river. blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promises of God are yours. The supernatural realm of the kingdom of God is flowing in this place. Tomorrow, find some time, get alone with God. Maybe you read your Bible, but have you prayed in the spirit? Worship him. So the hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper will worship me in spirit and in truth. Just begin to pray in the spirit. That's the Holy Spirit praying through you. And he's praying according to the will of God. Asking for revelation on what you prayed. And then the next day, and the next day, try to take five minutes, 10 minutes, in the presence of the Lord, just praying in the Spirit every day and see if you don't have a change. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you that you're filling each one of these. Lord, it's not just in this place. As we leave here tomorrow, we're filled. The next day, we're filled. Wednesday, we're filled. Thursday, we're filled. Lord, let us walk as agents of the Spirit of God wherever we go. The acts of the apostles, the acts of the Holy Spirit are still being written through us. Use us, Lord. I bless your people in every way possible that all their needs are met. Their lives and families are blessed. Their finances are blessed. Lord, they're heirs of salvation and heirs to your promises. Lord, I thank you for this meeting that's coming up on Wednesday, that your will will be done in this place. Lord, build your church, and we know the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Thank you for the unity of the Spirit, Lord, and that we'll be as one body, in one spirit, in everything we do as we move forward into this new day that you have put before us. Holy Spirit, guide us, direct us, lead us in Jesus' name. And all those who are filled this morning, say amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Praise the Lord. He received the baptism. Praise the Lord. Give God some praises.